0: early on if I'm gonna teach or model or even encourage people to start thinking that playfulness and curiosity and exploration are even somewhat okay let alone permissible or not uh, or as a way of life I've gotta figure out if God is that way or not because if God is not playful then I've made a horrible mistake and should go back home and and start over I've, I've really screwed up
1: here to another episode of Better Stories. I am once again thrilled that you're choosing to tune in and listen and subscribe and check out this podcast. It's still uh, kind of a dream come true for me, and I uh, would love to hear from you if you're enjoying it. You can uh, shoot me, maybe connect on Facebook, shoot me a message by email, um, justin.bowers at tensionleads.com. I'd love to hear from you. But uh, we're, we're just having a blast putting these together, and I've had so much fun interviewing friends of mine, people that I'm getting connected to, that I'm just finding are are doing amazing things, inspiring things, encouraging things. And the coolest part of this whole podcast is I feel like it's making me better. I feel like I'm thinking about life differently. I feel like I'm I'm noticing things more. I'm learning different things. I'm being challenged by the, the way that my friends that are living these stories that I'm hearing. And uh, it's, it's just been a blast. So... Yeah, I, I hope you're enjoying it as much as, as I am. Today's episode is so fun for me, and I, I want to introduce uh, my guest in just a minute. But I did want to tell you a couple things. One, uh, we have a special Better Stories event coming up, another live event at the McNeemer House on October 20th. Friday, October 20th. We're going to be at the McNeemer House. You can go online to McNemerHouse.com, M-C-N-E-M-A-R, House.com. And sign up for tickets. There's no cost for tickets, um, but you can get online and reserve one just because we need to have an idea of how many people are coming, and it is limited in space. So we would love for you guys to let us know and uh, sign up and be a part of that. Um, And the other thing is, we would love for you to share this podcast. Uh, We're trying to spread the word. I'm trying to get the word out and get as many people connected to these stories as I can, not to make me more well known, um, but simply to tell these stories. Uh, it is it is just amazing to me the way people are living life and choosing to be intentional, and I hope it's amazing to you. So help us share it. Share it on Facebook, social media, Twitter, Instagram. However you can get the word out, help us do that. So today I am so pumped to release this this interview. This, this interview is with a friend of mine named Dave Bindewald. Dave is the founder, the creator, director, lead facilitator, um, overall guru of what is known as the Center for Play and Exploration. And if that doesn't sound like the coolest title in the world, then you're missing out because this is, this is just amazing. And I can't wait for you to hear um, Dave's story and uh, how he got into this and what exactly they do. I would, I would encourage you to go check out the work that they're doing, playandexploration.com. Simply put, if you're working with teams, these guys will make you better. And, and I'm just telling you that's that's just the reality. Uh, I met Dave years and years ago when I was an undergrad student at Geneva College up north of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, Dave was the guy that when I got to school, I was a freshman. He was an upperclassman, and he lived on my floor. And I just thought that's the guy that I kind of want to follow around. I want to learn from him. I want to I see and hear and learn about how he loves God and how he Loves life, and I'm telling you, every conversation I've ever had with Dave, I've walked away being encouraged and feeling better about where life is headed, about where my life is headed, and uh, really truly what the kingdom of God looks like. So, I hope you enjoy today. I-, I think you'll be encouraged by this, I think you'll be inspired by this. I found myself with a lot of questions, a lot of thoughts coming out of this interview, but this is Dave Bindwald, uh, and I can't wait for you to hear Dave's story, Dave's stories, and the challenges that he offers to people about what it means to imagine, to dream, and to create. So enjoy this. All right, I'm here with uh, Dave Bendewald, a good friend of mine that I've known for quite a while. Um, we're both aging together in this, and uh, Dave is the director and founder of the Center for Play and Exploration. Um, which I can't wait to to let you hear about. Um, but Dave, welcome, glad to have you here, and I would love for you to introduce yourself. Tell tell us a little bit about who you are, um, your family. Um, we'll just we'll just jump in from there. Yeah, yeah. Thanks,
0: Justin. Um, as you said, my name is Dave Bindewald, I'm founder and director of the Center for Play and Exploration here in Pittsburgh. Uh, I am married. I have three daughters. Uh, we live in the East End of Pittsburgh, the Highland Park neighborhood. Um, I have done some work in social work and uh, professional ministry, education, and uh, have just recently sort of figured out that this was uh, the better fit and the sweet spot for me. So this is sort of a, this newer work is sort of a culmination of all that earlier stuff I've done before uh, and as you mentioned we've, we go way back we went to school together and um, I think some of these ideas even started percolating or forming all the way back then I'm still trying to figure that out
1: yeah no that's that's awesome I um, and I believe we share some kind of weird like like uh, overlap with things we, you, your wedding date I think is the same as ours are you December 29th? I am, you old rattlesnake Yeah, and two, 2001 was us I don't know if that was your date as well That's the exact same date, oh my goodness <laughs> And we share, you got three daughters I've got three daughters um, So yeah, small, small world <laughs> Kinda of crazy, right? <laughs> oh man. It's freaking me out a little. It is. It is. I don't know why I remember that, but maybe that creeps you out a little bit too. <laughs> yeah, in a good way. In a yeah, good way. Yeah. Dave, tell us tell us about the Center for Play and Exploration. We I I hear you say that and I know you just started it, but I want a job there already. I can I can tell. So yeah. what is it? What do you do? What are you dreaming yeah. about? What's the vision?
0: Yeah, the uh, Center for Play and Exploration. Um helps adults and adults only. Uh, when people here play in exploration, they often ask if it's a daycare or <laughs> if it's a preschool or some sort of uh, curriculum for elementary school. Um, and happily, it is not. This is for adults, um, high school and up, we usually say. And uh, we nurture and form and try to encourage and even give a little bit of per- where it needed uh, for adults to develop a sense of wonder and curiosity about the world and about their lives. Uh, we try to form and nurture and even do some training on what's called divergent thinking that we can talk about a little bit later. Uh, as a teaser, that would be the opposite of convergent, coming together, divergent spews off all over the place and is often um, also known as thinking outside the box. We do training and experiences with that. Uh, A freedom to fail or to try new things uh, is a huge value of ours that we think has been lost along the way as we've gotten older. And uh, how we make that happen is uh, through a couple of different channels. One are called cohorts, play and exploration cohorts, where they are six to seven month long experiences that we curate for people. And by six or seven months, I mean we meet as a group, a participant would meet with other folks that wanted to participate in a cohort. We meet uh, five, six, seven times about once a month or so, and we go on field trips and eat really well and drink really well, and we explore the world to see if this idea of playfulness and exploration holds any water and could even be a way of living. Uh, So those are the cohorts, the other way that we do that are are is through professional development. We do one day to two day trainings and experiences for corporations and businesses and artistic and creative spheres. Um, turns out that play and exploration is wildly productive and fruitful rather than sort of a frivolous um, sort of waste of. I think we tend to slip into thinking that play is. And the last thing that we do are sort of a um, hybrid of those that I think most people would just call them retreats where we go away for a shorter amount of time and try to cram as much of those experiences in uh, as we can. So in a, in a nutshell that's what that's
1: what I do. Wow. It sounds it sounds incredible and I I want to talk more about, you know, the ideas behind it and how people could get connected to this, but this isn't a job that you go out and find on like the job hunting sites, right? This is a job that you created. Right. I can I can tell. Um, mm-hmm. so I've got to imagine there's been quite a journey that's brought you to this this endeavor, this this work, and I and I'd love for you to share that. What what brought you to say I'm going to start something? It's going to be centered on wonder and curiosity and exploration and play. Um, how how did your you know? I know it's a really broad question, but how did your life, your journey, lead yeah. you to this? yeah oh, no, it's a good question.
0: I'm and in complete uh, transparency, I'm still uh, figuring that out. But mm-hmm. uh, the best. I can come up with, that I think this has probably been uh, coming or marinating uh, for probably uh, as many as 10 years for me. Uh, so real quickly, to fly over that timeline quickly, um, an initial question uh, around whether the world is a good place or a bad place, I think, to say it most simply. Uh, I heard many... Various and sometimes even conflicting things coming up as a child in and out of the church and school uh, about whether uh, the world or the creation uh, for us Christians, uh, is this a good place or is it a fallen place, a wildly, excessively, unnecessarily good creation of a creative God, or is it sort of, uh, it was a good idea, but it has fallen apart because of our own wickedness and selfishness, and now it's just kind of a matter of time, sort of try to huddle up, protect what you can, and just make it until Jesus comes back and destroys it all, and won't that be a great day? And Sam, I'm saying it, uh, obviously, a little sarcastically because of, you know, I think it, well, it was, it was damaging uh, to me without even realizing it, and I think it's been damaging to a lot of people for a long time uh, to be taught overtly or uh, sort of secretly without even realizing it that this world is sort of a necessary evil and, high- and productive lifestyles of protecting yourself and what's yours is really the only way to survive it. And so it started with a real conundrum about that. uh, I was a campus minister for a long time and was exposed in our training a long time ago to uh, a bigger sort of what's sometimes called a reformational view of the world, that everything in the world is God's and is good, and therefore there is no... Uh, realm or sphere of culture that a person could go to that is not God's and that God does not enjoy and is not proud of and delights in. So that was a huge, huge uh, crossroads for me to start getting used to thinking that way about the world. But the, the real kicker, the thing that sort of made the or that changed everything for me uh, was sort of the theological question. As a, as a person who wants and loves and tries to follow Jesus, I realized early on if I'm going to teach or model or even encourage people to start thinking that playfulness and curiosity and exploration are even somewhat okay, let alone permissible or not uh, or as a way of life, I've got to figure out if God is that way or not, because if God is not playful, then I've made a horrible mistake and should you know, go back home and, and start over, I've, I've really screwed up here. But if God is playful, creative, uh, curious at all, then it's a whole new game and a lot of other things are true and possible. And at the very first page uh, of our scriptures, it talks about God create the universe. Hmm. And when you couple uh, God creating what God created and start then lifting your eyes from the pages of scripture to see what kind of creation, what kind of world we have, what you start to find quickly becomes, in the best possible way, ridiculous. (laughs) It is absolutely wild and out of control uh, with goodness. It Mm. is literally teeming with unnecessary amounts of diversity, creativity, and beauty. And that is just true. And so instantly... We have a wonderful problem to deal with. Why is that? What is going on? What's behind this? What does that mean? Uh, You know, being a good Presbyterian, uh, what was usually communicated to us as kids in the creation account was how orderly and um, efficient and sort of controlled the creation is, that God controls the chaos and beats back the chaos, and makes us submit into the order and control of 24-hour days. And and I would say that that is um, in there, and that it's a aspect of the creation, but it's nowhere near what the scriptures are trying to communicate, what God is trying to communicate to us about God's self and this world. Uh, the kicker being, of course, that it turns out the overwhelming vast majority of the goodness of god's creation has been hidden Hmm. it is embedded it is not obvious and i sort of want to leave that as a teaser uh, for us or for anyone listening and say what does that mean about god about work about relationships and about why someone would do something as foolish as starting a center for play and exploration yeah uh, that that to me makes the entire thing hold together and has you know I'm sort of dramatic at times but trying not to be dramatic it's uh,
1: it's changed my life hmm that's powerful and, and it sounds like and I've said this for a long time good good theology is, it, it's not just in your head; it's going to shift your life. And, and it sounds like for you, it's really done that—that that, that the questions of yeah. of theology and what you believe fundamentally about God have reshifted, you know, your career, but but your whole life as well. I I got to ask. So give us give us an example. You're, you're looking at the world through this lens. Where do you see God's? creativity God's playfulness Uh, I love I love that phrase and and I have some ideas in my head but I want to hear from your your heart where do you see that yeah Um, well one of my favorites uh, and
0: literally I would encourage you or anyone listening uh, to pick to pick an area of reality pick an area of the world literally close your eyes and kind of put your finger down on an encyclopedia or a dictionary or wikipedia pick something and and start digging around and it'll start to explode in your hands and so the thing uh that i did first was i think it was because i grew up in japan and in japan kids keep beetles for pets and i think that has stuck with me and so for some reason i have no idea why um i started with beetle and uh again to contrast what I'm advocating for in this theology this education this philosophy or worldview of life of abundance and unnecessary goodness the opposite of that of course is sort of the closed more hard science um, naturalist view that you know the, the the world is good to whatever extent it is because it operates efficiently hmm. that we have, exactly what the world needs in order to survive. So as I think, and again, I have no idea, uh, I'm not a coleopterologist or whoever it is that studies beetles, (laughs) but I think that one of the things that beetles do that is wildly helpful is they uh, chew up detritus, they eat poop, they break (laughs) down dead things so that the world can survive and flourish. Really, really thankful that they do that, and you should be too. (laughs) Uh, And uh, so great, that's their function, that's their system, that's what they do. Uh, And for the system to be good in the term by measuring it by productivity or efficiency, uh, then you need one kind of beetle to do that. You just need one kind. Now, I want to be clear, not one beetle, you need one species. Right. Right? You need one kind of beetle to decompose uh, detritus and keep the world clean. Well, uh, as of yesterday, and this changes every day, mind you, as of yesterday, there there's more than one species of beetle in, in the universe. In our planet, rather, sorry. Uh, there's millions of species of in, in our world, and at another level below that, I have to warn you, if you start using this area to explore, the pictures of them, what you're going to see might scare you, <laughs> they, they are terrifying, they're beautiful, they're weird, they're ugly, they're big, they're small, and I think that uh, that's a potentially huge problem. For a closed, efficient universe system or way of thinking, so that's—I mm-hmm. mean—already you can see I'm starting to ramble, but I'm—I'm I'm telling you that's the nature right. of reality. I have to warn you and your listeners if you start digging into this stuff, uh, I cannot guarantee your safety. Like it, <laughs> it will—it'll blow up in your hands, and you'll look up and it will have been eight hours, and you're like laughing
1: yeah. over how much of things there are right right so you've just taken for me the image of god as kind of the the scientist structuring the the universe with order and efficiency and all that and you've kind of Blown that up into now he looks like Doc Brown, like the the mad scientist from Back to the Future. Yes, who's playful? That is much more
0: <laughs> theologically accurate. That's more biblical. That's one point twenty one
1: gigawatts. That's right. <laughs> and no kidding, my you'll you'll remember, but my freshman roommate uh, Aaron Patterson at Geneva, he actually had a job for a short time driving around the state of Illinois checking trees for one specific type of beetle. And he, and he did this for two or three years, and he never found the beetle. Like, every day, <laughs> he went looking for something that he never found. Uh, <laughs> so, I wonder I, how, I'm sure that was very formative in his life. I'm sure. I think he's learned a lot. <laughs> 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 so, so, Dave, why does this matter? Why, I mean, people listening, why, why is what you're doing so important? And you're talking about these big words, divergent and convergent thinking. Why is that going to help? Um, you, you said the productivity, the the curiosity. Why why is this so important for for people today? Yeah, well, that's a huge, important, good question. So, I mean, just to take
0: a swing at it, let's let's go backwards, maybe from smallest or least to um, maybe most important. This huge and wonderful surprise for me has been that it turns out that this kind of view of the world and life and theology and God of excessive, unnecessary, divergent, diverse uh, uh, world and the sort of playfulness that it engenders in us, it turns out that rather than being a huge volity and waste of time, uh, if you're talking about culture and work and production and survival... Uh, it is wildly, off the charts, exponentially uh, productive and fruitful. Uh, Meaning, uh, if you start understanding the world to be that kind of a place, and whatever your uh, work happens to be, if you're a parent or a teacher or a doctor or an engineer or a pastor, um, a student, Uh, whatever, and you start approaching your work like that tomorrow, and by that I mean assuming that there are untold treasure troves of potential in your sphere that you just haven't found yet and you start to explore the possibilities there, uh, then it will just start you discover things that have not been discovered yet that are hiding there that are helpful, that uh, help production and product and bottom line and um, and efficiency sometimes. Usually it's more inefficient at first, but so productive. Uh, look at Apple and Google and all these startups that are starting to realize this, that um, 40 hours a week, eight hours a day, uh, spreadsheets. And punching in, punching out, committee work. This is how we know this works. Well, what they really mean is we've done that for a long time, and we haven't gone out of business yet. Like it, uh, we are making money. Yeah. But no one's done it differently yet. And turns out, when you try things in different ways, um, things still stay open and are productive. And services are made and people in the world and culture are helped and blessed and, and flourish Hmm. a whole lot more there, but that's the main pushback that why not to, why play and exploration is not important. People say, because it's a waste of time. Well, that's just categorically not true. It's wildly helpful and productive and maybe jumping all the way up to maybe the most important, uh, reason that it matters is I'm ready now to say that it is creationally normative, meaning uh, that's a fancy way to say it's the way that life is supposed to be lived uh, from God's perspective. Right. The very first page of our story, you talk about writing a better story or your podcast name. This is this is true. Like the, the, it's the true story. It's the truer story, more true than living in a survival, protection, just try to survive the fall way of life. That work is toil and thorns and thistles, and it's just a matter of time before it spirals out of control. God save us from that. That's actually not true. Right. And uh, the longer that we live uh, under a code or philosophy that's not true, the more damaging it is to us. So, uh, the biggest, most important reason that play and exploration in the center matter is that uh, I and the people that are participating in this are experiencing, we would say, life uh, at least more, if not as, it's supposed to be lived. That the the ultimate meaning and uh, purpose of a human life as a creation good God that uh, made us is an act of driven by curiosity to explore the potential of the creation and share its fruits and discoveries with everyone everywhere and it turns out that that is a playful delightful adventure Hmm. and that's just truer. It's more true. It's the true story of, of human life. So I I would go all the way there with why it's
1: important. It's powerful. And and I can imagine that you're seeing a lot of this will unhinge things for people because you're really, you're really talking about reorganizing the values of our, of our, you know, of our churches, of our theology, but also of the American culture of organizational life that says efficiency and, you know, profit or King and, and I would imagine it's, it's quite a journey you get to take with people as they kind of sense there is truth to this, but what's it going to mean for the rest of my life? Yep. Oh, yeah, that's
0: well, big. And, and the first weekend of a cohort, we jump right into that because big pillars in people's lives are being tampered with. Yeah. We fully understand that. And it can be scary and uh, people say pretty regularly, this is wrong. This is a waste of time and energy mm-hmm. and resources. And then, you know, we say, are you willing to commit to just explore this as a possibility? Right. And uh, when a human being becomes convinced that this is even partly maybe true, they go crazy in the best possible way. Wow. I mean, the, the folks that have done these experiences and the things that they're doing now out in the culture in their various spheres and relationships are remarkable and hilarious and fantastic and and their employers are being blessed by them and i just remember reading somewhere that you know jesus followers are supposed to be salt and light and yeah. blessing and flourish agents redemption redemptive agents and I've just never seen it happen at this level uh, until we started doing it uh, with play and exploration. So I yeah. think it's how it's supposed to work.
1: yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate that. I and, and so let me transition a little bit. How does this you know for us we I, I'm so fascinated by people that are taking kind of entrepreneurial adventures and jumping into new things because I think, for us when we we did that at the realm of starting a church for the first time in my life I felt like my vocation integrated with the rest of life. It wasn't just a job but it was a passion. It was, you know, all that kind of coming together. How how does this work into and integrate with your family's life? I mean, you you've got a wife and three daughters. How how is this kind of helping that flourish or or challenging that? What does that look like for you? Yeah.
0: Uh, again, full transparency, uh, slowly. It happens very slowly and a little painfully, to be honest. You know, like you said, this is a, this is a new way to live, and so it takes some getting used to. Uh, more currently and immediately, what it looks like is, and I'm not trying to evade the question, but it has looked like starting the Center for Play and Exploration. Yeah. You know, that my wife and my daughters have been a part of this, and they know and understand what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm, what I'm banking on and desperately hoping for is that particularly my daughters have, to use your phrase, a better story now for what mm-hmm. their lives and work could look like. That, uh, oh, if you have an idea that might not work, it's okay to try it. It's okay to give it a go and see what happens, uh, even if you can't uh, balance a budget or guarantee everybody's—I'll use the word safety—that um, <laughs> uh, you know. Again, there's some of that idolatry at work there of security um, and what financial responsibility and. I mean, those words are, are good things, but they can they can get a little uh, too powerful in our lives. So the main one, I think, is that, that starting this in front of them and talking with them about, well, when I'm worried and when it's been a long time since there's been any interest, or you know, where will the next gig be, or is this actually going to work or not? I, I think and hope and pray this will be a, a story that hopefully will turn into the rest of the story for our lives as a family. That well, just because it might not work doesn't mean you don't do it. Yeah. I mean, who knows? And it's, and it's impossible. It, this is hilarious to me. I catch myself mm-hmm. all the time. It's impossible to have a foolproof plan of success. Hmm. And I, you know, a guarantee, if you will. And the only guarantee that I have is that God is good and that the creation that God made can sustain and handle and shoulder new divergent attempts at exploration. So I take great comfort from that. After that, I wake up every day and think, okay, what's going to happen today with this? And over time, that's become, I dare say, uh, pleasant. (laughs) It's almost like uh, I enjoy it rather than I have a, a lock Blocks down airtight strategy for my day, um, then I've sort of pigeonholed myself. And yeah. if God is as good as I'm hoping and as I am becoming convinced of, then I think that's a better starting point. Uh, one little glimmer of hope that it's working, too, um, my oldest daughter a couple of weeks ago or a month ago said uh, she has a new strategy to try over the summer, and that is to try everything. Hmm. And I I am, uh, you know, we'll, we'll give it time, but I'm <laughs> choosing to take encouragement from that as maybe it's working, you know, maybe it's trickling down. Um, uh, trying to see places uh, that inspire this kind of thinking. You know, um, you hear about a beautiful, interesting aesthetically different or place i think it's worth it and i use that phrase on purpose to take your friends and family to go see it go experience it and pay attention to yourself and what's happening in and with yourself as you're there Uh, and my my hunch is that and we're trying to do this trying to answer your question but that it it starts to resonate with you with again a way that things and the world and you should be yeah and that's a risk to take time and money and space to go see something and if people say why are you doing that you your answer is well I just want to see it I want to see if it's there and I just want to pay attention to what happens when I see it and you'll And I guess the last thing I'd say is what I'm learning is don't pay as much attention as you usually do to if it feels scary or some anxiety in it because that's just a very natural, healthy, psychologically well-adjusted response to trying something new. Mm -hmm. And I used to, upon feeling those things, I would take that as a sign that I was doing something wrong and stop. And I think that's exactly wrong. That that's no, that's normal. It's healthy. It's uh, protection, but it doesn't mean you should stop. Just right. pay attention and, uh, and and keep going.
1: Right, right. And I, and I think in in light of our kids, you know, we've entered kind of twelve year old world where our oldest daughter has a cell phone now, and we're we're even fighting that battle of like because we fight it ourselves. The the nature of social media and our culture today is. Hey, you did this thing. Take a picture, get a really cool snapshot, yeah. and prove to everybody that you were there, which is okay. Right. But the danger is, I think you miss actually being there. Exactly what you're talking about, and it's it's so yeah, easy yeah. To, to think that that's life when it's just a shadow of life.
0: Yeah, and that's a, a, another thing that reminds me of as far as technology. You know, uh, again, hopefully this is a generational thing, and our kids won't feel it as much. But I was pretty clearly. Uh, warned more than anything else. The experience I had with technology was one of warning mm-hmm. of how dangerous it is. And of course, of course, there's all kinds of pitfalls there. But what if we just, again, to think divergently, flipped that on its head and started modeling and uh, encouraging our kids and those younger than us uh, about the wonders of technology? Yeah. Look what's possible, like, the whole reason I found out about beetles was through the internet Yeah, and I could find that out in an instant my daughter is doing a summer project on uh, Acadia National Forest and five minutes later into that she knows more about it than I ever would have at her age <laughs> yeah. trying to study that yeah. so of course like, that's, I'm just trying to make the point again yes it's, it has the potential of harm yeah but notice that and then pretty quickly run through that to the whole universe that it can open up
1: at your fingertips right right and I, and I think you really are capturing the heart of what we're challenging people with which is you have a lot of intentionality and possibility in your life so this routine of boredom and you know just kind of accidentally getting through You've got to choose to go against that, and so yeah, I, I appreciate the work you're you're doing. Can I can I ask a question that I, I thought of this morning? Um, so you you have lived kind of inside and outside of the church world. I, you've done social work. You've worked kind of for parachurch organizations within the church as well. Um, when you look at kind of the the culture of the church today, capital C church, through the lens of the Center for Plain Exploration. What what gives you hope and what gives you concern?
0: Hmm. Um, I am concerned that, um, I don't even think I'm ready to say it's, it's specifically because we are in the church or are Christians. It, it may be more, vague or general than that, but whether that's true or not, I certainly think we either more so or the same as everyone else in the world outside the church. In the church, I'm concerned that we have gotten comfortable thinking that evil and the fallen world are what are most true about the world. And Uh, That is an un-Christian idea. It's borderline heresy. And it is rampant. everywhere. And and I'm concerned about that. Uh, Just for a second, though. Only for a moment. Because (laughs) I am giddy with hope uh, that uh, if it's really true that... The truer story is that the world is God's creation, is wildly, abundantly good, full of potential, uh, and that's always been true. And because we're a part of that creation, deep down somewhere we know that, and that's still true about us, that the Center for Play and Exploration is not teaching anything new. This is not a new idea. This is as old as the hills and its older Than the fall, and you just have to remind people about it. And that has been my experience. This is not a new teaching, this is just a reminder. And I am so excited and hopeful for the future of this place and its work. So far, just by, I mean, you know, people come to these cohorts in their 60s about to retire. So, 60 years of hearing the fall is more true than anything else and just survive it all. Hmm. In one in one day, sometimes in a couple of hours or even minutes, people look at you like, Don't tease me. I've <laughs> always hoped I've always hoped this was true. You better be this up. And and it's like, oh yeah, I just forgot. And then off they go. Yeah. And so I am just overwhelmed, again, afresh, by the sheer power uh, of the goodness of God, that the world God made is so good, and God is so good, that even evil itself has not been able to knock that out of the creation or out of us. And sometimes a meal or one conversation is enough to remind us of that and reground us in it again and it's almost like okay now where were we and then we're off and going it's unbelievable so i am i am very very quickly and momentarily concerned i am wildly eternally ridiculously hopeful about the stuff that we believe and what our good book tells us and what is true and what is possible right now Mm -hmm. and and
1: we're seeing it happen that's powerful and you're I, I love the word that you're reminding people you're helping them remember kind of who they were created to be that that's that's great. Yeah. So I'm gonna I, I end every interview with five kind of rapid fire questions but before I do, um, how, how can people get more information if they if they're like man, this guy's speaking a language, I want to know more about this what what what's the next steps? Yeah
0: um, The easiest way would be to go to our website uh, play and exploration com play and exploration all typed out no ampersand there in the middle dot okay. com and there's a contact page there you can fill that out and it'll generate an email to me and we can get in touch that way and we'd love to have people try a cohort or take this to their places of work we can apply it all different kinds of ways
1: okay okay and I'll put that I'll put that web link in the in the notes for this as well so when they download it they have it um. Cool. So, can I can I fire five quick response questions to you? Yeah, sure. All right, just kind of for fun. So, I credit Dave. I credit you with leading me to the the fandom that is you two. Um, freshman freshman <laughs> year of college, I was the uh, sheltered Christian kid who had at some point thrown away my. Secular CD of Vanilla Ice in the late '80s, early '90s, and and my mind was reworking. why did you do that? <laughs> yeah, that was gold. That was gold. That was worth a lot of money. Um, so yeah, so I learned to love you two in my freshman year of college, and you know I've seen you at a couple concerts that we've been to. But my question is, what's the, what's your best u two moment ever?
0: Well, the, oh gosh. <clears throat> Uh, their greatest song ever is With or Without You
1: See Um, Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) so seeing that live uh, has been huge, Uh, there's a story that happened to a friend of mine at a concert that is just too long and too wonderful to tell here, but maybe another reason for people to get in touch Um, as a teaser, a lifelong fan got pulled up on stage at a and what happened was, was truly unbelievable. So I'm sorry, that's all I can say. So with or without you... <laughs> it's a story something you can't that tell. Happened, something that happened... Yeah, it's a, it's a good good <laughs> and better story that happened to Rob at a U2
1: show. That's that's amazing. Um, second question, what what song or artist are you listening to right now?
0: Uh, I love Springsteen. Uh, the Boss and E Street are have become huge to me. I love his... Um, blue collar approach to uh, trying to reclaim what's good about the world and I just I love the sound I love the rock and roll
1: great great so I'm I'm gonna call you my friend that is the expert on play from from here on out like you're you're my play expert Um, so that being said what's what's your favorite board game of all time and if you're not a board gamer you can say that too that's that's I know yeah I mean I'm not
0: enough i'm not huge into it i don't have a problem you know like some people (laughs) do um now okay this is not a board game per se but i love me some charades okay i love it all right i'm gonna go charades as a group a group game
1: if you had to really push me on a board game i might say clue okay every every introvert you said charades every introvert just stopped listening they just turned turned it off (laughs) how about one of the silently yeah yeah how about one of the best meals you've ever eaten oh that's no question um the best meal i've
0: ever had in my life was on last year's cohort trip to new york city we take a field trip to New York City with the play and exploration cohort and I ate at my first Michelin Star restaurant and I am still trying to recover from that. <laughs> I have I have never experienced anything like that before and what a perfect fitting setting it was for a cohort to be in. I mean I'm I'm forty years old and I tasted things that I've literally I had no categories for. And it wasn't like oh this tastes like chicken or yeah. that's ice cream. It was like I don't know what this is and it's unbelievably good. So That's awesome. um, a restaurant in New York City about eight months ago. Okay. It's the best meal I've ever had do you,
1: know the, do you remember the name of the restaurant?
0: Gabriel Kreider.
1: Gabriel Kreider.
0: Okay. Gabriel Kreider. It's right across the street from the public library.
1: That's awesome. That's amazing. Um, last, last big question. Any, any life hacks for being a father to three daughters? I'm always looking for help. Anything you're learning or any yeah. tricks? Any, anything you're just seeing in this journey? Yeah. Uh, I'm
0: trying to get better at myself, uh, trying new things in front of them and failing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really getting sold uh, on daughters or sons for different reasons. but daughters, in in particular in the particular way that failure can cripple young girls, uh, I think it'd be pretty great if they could even a little bit here or there, see, their dad uh, try something and fail and talk about what he learned or experienced and how it was a good thing and how life continues on afterwards and the thing that you thought was going to destroy you didn't at all and, in fact, made you better. So, you know, just with this endeavor or even yeah. down trying a big word, on a page, reading publicly and just slaughtering it, like <laughs> destroying the the king's English, <laughs> thing, being being corrected publicly, you know. Yep. I think that's I
1: think
0: that'd be fine. So
1: I'm gonna try to get better. Man, that. I and I so remember when we were thinking about launching out to start a church. I remember having the conversation with my wife Carrie to say I'd rather try it and see it fail than look back one day and tell my kids I almost did something and i think that's a yep. it's a powerful lesson